What's up, everybody? This is the show. I'm your host, Rob Blatt, and welcome back to the Adult Nerd Podcast, episode two. We're going to start with a little bit of follow-up from last week, Small Moments. That's the iOS and Apple TV app by Gavin St. Hours, our guest on episode one. Small Moments is back in the iOS and Apple TV app stores. You can get Small Moments. There'll be a link in today's show notes or at theadultnerd.com. You can also search for Small Moments in the app stores. Let's read the description, give you a little bit of background in case you missed that episode or in case you may have forgotten. Small Moments is a music video series and slow TV channel for iOS and Apple TV. Each episode features original music and video. Choose an episode, watch them all in order, or shuffle through them all. Whichever way you choose to watch, tap play, sit back, and enjoy. And new episodes are published bi-weekly. I suggest you give it a, a give it a chance. Enjoy. The Twitter account for the Adult Nerd is also back. I had a little bit of an email and DNS and MX records issue over at theadultnerd.com. And a bit of personal pride, I solved all of those things that I personally ruined over the last six years while the uh, domain laid dormant. So I'm happy to get that back. There'll mostly be announcements about the show. Uh, Episode two is a few hours late. I had a pretty rough cold the day I was supposed to be recording this introduction and releasing the episode. So if you were following me on Twitter, you found out. And then also the Adult Nerd Newsletter. Send that out every Saturday. Some notes about the episode that passed and episode that's coming up. Links to download all of that jazz. And also some other links including recommendations and just some kind of fun videos and all that. Last week in the newsletter, I suggest everyone give Firefox a shot. They have this new extension they're using called the Facebook Container Extension. If you're concerned about Facebook collecting the traffic that you create on the web and uh, using that against you or in advertisements towards you, it's got a pretty good way to prevent Facebook from reaching into basically your your daily traffic and uh, where you're going on the web. It's uh, you know a step short of getting rid of your Facebook account, which for a lot of us is uh, not really feasible. Also in there, um, this great video, uh, super slow motion, 180,000 frames per second. I have a link to the video here where uh, someone took this high-speed camera and aimed it at a, a CRT television, those old tube televisions, the heavy ones, at Super Mario Brothers and how the actual lines are created within the TV itself to show you that image that looks like motion but is actually flickering images, but I suggest you also give that a look. There's a link to last week's newsletter at theadultnerd.com slash newsletter, and you could subscribe and uh, get updated regularly. That's all for the preamble for the show. I'll say in advance, if you're listening and you haven't done so, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, on with the show, and thanks for listening. This week's nerd is Chris Cavallari. Chris we have an interesting past, mostly because I learned how to pronounce your last name today. <laughs> After what, like 10 years? Eh? Yes, yeah, so 10 years or so. <laughs> you have gone by Chris Cavs on the internet for the longest time, and I think I just called you Chris Cavs for the longest time as well. Yeah. So today, we're not necessarily talking about Chris Cavs. Of course, we are. But I want to talk to you about the Acadian. The Acadian, it brings to mind Maine. It really pulls that feeling out of you. And then when I think about what a business would be that is focused on that and named that, well, 
I think I think you hit it right on the head. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the Acadian? Sure. So uh, the Acadian, I call it the Acadian Maine Custom Carry. Uh, it's a little shop that I made inspired by Maine uh, where I make pens, hand-turned wood pens and assorted leather carry items and uh, accessories kind of aimed towards people who love Maine or even just people who love the outdoors or just love that kind of aesthetic. So I basically kind of fell in love with Maine when I moved here about nine years ago. And I love the style. I love the history of the place. And I've been wearing flannel, <laughs> plaid flannel <laughs> since I was a teenager. Jeans and, and, and flannel is kind of my uniform. So I kind of fit right in here. Now I've got this big bushy beard. And uh, <laughs> so it kind of fit my style and my aesthetic as well. Being a maker for most of my life of some sort, whether it was a photographer or just building random stuff in my basement at home or now making pens, handmade pens and, and leather wallets and notebook covers, um, I've always been a maker. And, I've, and so I wanted to kind of combine all those things into something that um, people would like. And, and I found out that people did like it. So. so the pens that you make. Yeah. Question about those. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between a pen that you make and a pen that I buy for like a dime? Yeah. My pens are made from either historic or exotic or um, even domestic woods. So what I do is I put them onto a lathe and I turn it down into a, a sometimes I'll add something like a resin. Um, we may have to back up here for a moment okay. because I, so let's pretend that I live in Brooklyn and I roughly dress the same as you. Yeah. However... In my apartment in Brooklyn, maybe I don't know what a lathe is. <laughs> okay, so no doubt you've seen them. They're those little machines that spin wood. And a guy takes a tool, uh, like a chisel type thing, and sticks it into the wood, and it kind of splatters the wood all over the place. And then we end up making things like the wooden spindles on your, your, your banister, you know, for, for your, uh, your railings going down the stairs. So you're taking no I'm I'm just showing that I'm the city mouse here. Uh so you're taking a piece of wood and turning it into a pen. Yeah. I'm taking so, wood and making it smaller. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> that's a thing and I I definitely know it is. Yeah. How do you get there? The the pens that I make currently there's two types of ways to do this. One is through kits. So you can buy these metal hardware kits where you turn the wood down, you buy your own you know, wood or you go harvest it yourself. And once you turn it down and you sand it and you put a finish on it, it just, it transforms into this beautiful piece of art. And then these various kits you can put together, uh, you turn it down to a certain size and then you put the kit together uh, with the wood and it becomes this pen. The second way is to do it completely from scratch. And that's a different skill set altogether that I'm planning on doing in 2018, where you take like, a piece of wood and some polyester resin and you cast it and then you turn it and you drill it and you tap threads into it for the cap and the body. And, you know, you can make a nice, a very beautiful fountain pen, but those tend to go, they take a lot longer and uh, a lot more skill goes into them. Backing up even further from that. Yeah. So that's how, that's how it's done physically. Yep. And it sounds simple. And I'm only going to say it sounds simple. <laughs> But then the, the larger question is, how does Chris get to a point 
where you say, I have wood, I have a lathe, and I want to start building and creating pens. You, these unique pieces, I mean, I've seen them, they're, they're beautiful, these unique pieces of art that also function as tools. You know, I've been a photographer and videographer for my entire career uh, and a social media uh, person, manager. Guru, <laughs> ninja, warrior. Whatever you want to call it, <laughs> samurai. Yeah, it's quite a jump to go from that to, to, to making pens and, and, and leather items. So what happened was in 2016, uh, my wife was pregnant and we were getting ready for the baby. And I was just kind of like, I'm going to need something to kind of take my mind off things, you know, when it, when it gets, you know, just have a little hobby or something. Cause I'm going to be at the house. I'm not going to be able to go out taking photos all the time. I need to be around. So what's a, what's a hobby I can get into that, keeps me at the house, but gets me away. And that's not to say that my wife doesn't have stuff she can do. I, I take, I split, we split the duties, but we were walking around a, a store called Harbor Freight, which I don't know if you know what it is. It's basically a discount tool company. Mm-hmm. We were just kind of wandering around and I saw this lathe for like a hundred bucks. This is a small bench top lathe. Hey, why, why don't I get this? And she's, and my wife was like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I picked it up that day and, and brought it home and had no idea how to use this thing that spins wood at, you know, 3,500 RPMs. So you just thought basically you were going to get something to help you destroy wood in your, in your garage for, the, for a while. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I had gotten into um, part of the everyday, everyday carry thing is, you know, fidget toys. And I was going to make these um, spin stations for tops, metal you know, heavyweight tops, like people get into this, this stuff. It's, it's unbelievable and it's amazing and it's beautiful, but, um, you know, you can buy tops that are hundreds of dollars made of metal and intricate designs. So I was going to make these spin stations and sell them to these top people. So I got the wood and I started spinning and I had no idea what I was doing. So I'm sitting there, you know, probably doing stuff really dangerously, taking probably dull tools that I bought for $20 at, at Harbor Freight <laughs> and just kind of sticking it at the wood and hoping it didn't smack me and, and, you know, cut my face open. So eventually what I did was I, I started looking at YouTube videos uh, about how to turn. And I think what happened was I found one that this guy was, was making a pen out of this really beautiful wood. And I just started watching his videos and I was just, blown away by how cool everything was. And I was like, I could do that and give them away as gifts. So I did a little research, found how to get the the pen kits and how to get the wood and all the other tools I needed for this. And that was that. So you're essentially self-taught. I am. Yeah. Uh, It's mostly YouTube videos and a couple of online forums and stuff like that. And then I did take a class at a local wood wood store for bowl turning. But otherwise, yeah, I'm pretty much self-taught. And so you, you touched on something that I wanted to also talk about, and it's something that you wrote about on the Acadians blog recently, mm-hmm. which is you said everyday carry. And I think for at least me, when you say everyday carry, I think to myself, all right, I used to have a, a floor mat or a welcome mat that faced my door every day that said keys, wallet, phone. To me, in my mind, that's everyday carry, but I also know that's not everyday carry because it's not, it could never be that simple. <laughs> well, you know, it, it can be. That's the thing. So when we talk EDC, everyday carry, we're talking about the things that you carry with you that you can't go without. 
Um, and, and I call it like the art and science of everyday carry. And, and basically it started out as like a movement to um, cut back on clutter and all the junk that we carry with us to, to work or to school and be more efficient about it. So for instance, like, you know, keys and wallet and phone as you walk out the door, well, some people wanted slimmer wallets. So we've got these, you know, slim, really slim wallets that they could stick in their front pocket, you know, good for urban people like you, you know, <laughs> right. So we've got that. And then the keys, uh, a lot of people just have their keys kind of stuck on a key ring and jingles and jangles all over the place. Well, there are actually these, these key holders now that you can stack the keys side by side and they don't jangle and they just flip out when you need the right key. And, you know, that kind of simplifies things, makes it a lot easier to carry with you. And it just kind of goes from there. You know, people carry these tactical flashlights and fancy wallets and pocket knives and fidget toys and all sorts of stuff. It, it all goes in their pockets. And EDCers love to figure out ways to make it really efficient to carry that stuff. It's all the stuff that they want to bring with them on a daily basis carried efficiently. So you're not doing just something minimally. You're doing something in a way that adds function to what you're doing on a regular basis. Exactly. And, and a lot of people like to have that function, but they want to have that form as well. They want to have the beauty, the simplicity, just the style that goes with it. So, you, you know, that's why a lot of EDCers love the, they, they either fall into like the tactical or they fall into the rustic. So the tactical is like, you know, tactical flashlights, tactical knives, you know, the black metal type things. Everything black, everything metal with black, everything metal, carbon fiber, wallets, things like that. You know, wallets that have switches that can flip your card out when you need it. And then there's the kind of rustic side, which is where I'm at, which is leather and kind of more natural type feel to to things, leather and metal, brass and 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 uh, chrome, things like that. Things built to last. Yeah, exactly. So you, you get those kind of two, at least in my experience, you get those kind of two things. The art of everyday carry, it kind of goes towards style and simplicity. And the science goes more towards function and paring things down. So either way, it's trying to get things efficient. If I'm looking to embrace this a little bit better, yeah. if someone's looking to expand what they're doing, but also obviously, as we're talking about, minimize it, Where's like a good place to start thinking about? Well, usually what I do is I sit down and I think about what are the things that I use the most during the day that I find that I'm always reaching for, either going into my bag for or, you know, reaching into my pocket. What are those things? So for me, it's always my wallet, my keys. For you, it would be your wallet, your phone. For me, it's like a pen and a notebook. I always have those with me. You know, what are the things that you can't live without on a day-to-day basis? So mm-hmm. in New York, I think it's illegal to carry a pocket knife larger than three inches or something like that. For me, I carry a pocket knife with me wherever I go because I always need one. So, <laughs> you know, um, but I have a pocket knife, a pen, a wallet, my beard comb <laughs> and uh, got to stay fidget- fresh. Yes, exactly. And a fidget toy. So it really just, you know, make a list of the things that you need on a daily basis. What are the things you're always reaching for? Then what I do is figure out, well, how can I make these fit in one pocket? You know, how can I get them all into one or two pockets comfortably? And then it's, it's a matter of finding the right things to pare down. So a lot of us don't carry cash anymore. So 
a card wallet would be great for you. You know, real slim card wallet that can go in your front pocket. I always carry a pen with me. Some people like the Fisher Space Pen, which is this nice little small compact pen. You can write upside down with it. A pocket knife I always have with me. My, I made a little sheath for the pocket knife and, and the Fisher Space Pen so that they can be together in my pocket all the time. So things aren't jangling around in my pocket. Things aren't moving around. I know where everything is and, you know, it's all in a nice, easy, reachable spot. The pocket knife sheath comes in from what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about uh, some leather work. Yeah. When we met 10 years ago, at least, you were not a Mainer, but you were you were someone that lived in New Jersey. Yep. And when I think of New Jersey and you were just, I remember you were just over the, uh, or just through the tunnel. Yep. When I think about that area, I don't necessarily think about people making their own leather sheaths for their their knives. <laughs> so where where did that come from well, in your life? I'm not I'm not actually originally from New Jersey. I'm from Connecticut, Western Connecticut, and I was a Boy Scout. I grew up uh, going camping and and being in the outdoors. This is all starting to make sense now. Yeah. This is all starting to come together. There's something that I was missing, and this yeah. might have been it. Yeah. So, well, I grew up in a city, you know, one of the like five major cities in Connecticut. But because I was a Boy Scout, we always went out to the woods and, and went camping, and and I enjoyed that a lot. So my background comes from that. And I would go to summer camp and one year I took the leather working merit badge at summer camp because uh, I thought it would be kind of cool. And I made a, a little pouch, a little leather pouch and stamped it and, and, and uh, stitched it and all that kind of stuff. Or actually I laced it, some plastic lace. Uh, and I still have that, that pouch to this day. So this was like 20 years ago. Um, and I still have that thing. So it, it kind of attests is a testament to how well, these leather goods can can stand up to the test of time. When I was thinking about that a couple of years ago, I was like, well, you know, that that was a lot of fun when I made that. And, you know, I've always kind of dabbled in it. And actually when I was in New Jersey, I was I was started making some leather stuff. Then I picked up some leather at a art store or something like that and and just kind of dabbled with it again. And then it fell off again and then I moved to Maine <laughs> and got caught up in life here. Uh, but again, when when my wife was pregnant with our son, I started thinking I need need something to kind of keep me busy, keep my hands busy, uh, especially since I was kind of frustrated with my work situation and, and being on a computer all day. So I wanted something tangible. And there isn't a hugely steep learning curve. It's just you have to have patience with it. And so it becomes very zen when you're cutting things out and tracing and uh, stitching and all that kind of stuff. So I really decided that that was a good place for me to, to go was, was leather working. So it started when I was a boy scout and it made its way to my current life at 39 years old almost. So, so if someone's trying to, to get into not necessarily this specifically, but if someone hears this and they're thinking about that transition that you made from may sitting on a computer to making something that is close to home and you can do with your free time and with your hands. What's the process to find that inspiration? Like, was it, was there a point for you that it all clicked for the longest time? Like I was like, I'm never going to use a lathe. I, that looks so boring. And then one day I said, I'm going to try it <laughs> and, and fell in love. So, you know, it's just trial and error. That, that's really what it comes down to is just trying things out. If you like it, stick with it. If you don't like it, then move on. And you'll find the things that 
that make you happy, that make you whole, you start to get into this flow. Um, it's not easy. It's not always fun. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's fulfilling. And that's what really drives people who do this type of work, the people who make things with their hands. It, it's fulfilling. It's not necessarily always happy, but it's something that makes you, makes you whole. Um, and so that's why, you know, that's how it kind of came to be. It, it was piecemeal over time, kind of like my story. You know, it, it, I started when I was a kid leatherworking and then I just built up. I've always been a tinkerer and, you know, I always loved working with wood too. So doing the building of things, making things, it's always been something that spoke to my heart and, and made me feel like that was something that's satisfying. And pulling that all together. <laughs> yeah, that's a ramble. I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, this, the, trust me, this is the show for rambling. Um, the, the, the thing I've always encouraged uh, anyone I'm talking to in this kind of a scenario is to, to ramble until you find it. Yeah. And the questions I ask are mostly rambling anyway. <laughs> uh, well, that's the, I get to the question eventually. The, the wonderful thing about this is that, that I can edit. I won't edit this part because obviously then this, I'm going to just say how it's made, but yeah. you know, you, you get there eventually. But yeah. And that's the, that's <laughs> the thing. Like as a maker, you, you try things out and as a podcast producer, as, as a recording artist, as, as any type of artist or creator, you try things until you get there. You're going to fail <laughs> at some point. You're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. It's, it's learning from those mistakes and moving forward and, and making something better. Uh, that makes you a good maker, so of any kind. Let's talk about that failure, shall we? <laughs> since since you brought it up, uh, uh, so the the question really about failure in this is that what does for for something like this, what does failure look like? Well, so here's the thing about failure is like there there are varying levels of failure. Like you can fail small or you can fail big. the The question is where do you draw the line at, okay, I failed this and now it's time to move on. So for instance, you know, I had a, a, a video production company and for the longest try time, I kept trying to make it work and I tried different things and it just wasn't happening. I failed in that thing. And, um, I said, you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm not finding fulfillment in it and I'm not helping other people, uh, with my, my craft. So it's time to move forward. I guess when, when you, when it's time to move on from a failure is when you're not getting fulfillment out of it and nobody else is either. Much like when we first started our conversation tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the, for the listeners at home, um, we had scheduled our recording. Uh, we were pretty much on time and then it came time for uh, me to record. And through multiple circumstances, could not get it to work tonight. <laughs> so we, we, we fought for a little bit, uh, fought the technology. We got it working. Well, and that's and. the thing. We learned, right? We learned from that experience, and, and now it's better. Absolutely. It became better like as soon as we switched up and tried a different method. So It's funny because you and I have uh, – this will be a theme. This is a theme for the first two episodes of the show, at the very least. Yeah. You and I have hosted a podcast before you sure? when you were running your video production company, and I was running a podcasting – essentially it was a podcasting recording studio. Yep. 
it happened to be out of my home at the time. I had a studio for a little bit, which did also, oddly enough, which also failed. Uh, yeah. It was a little, a little ahead of my time in it, that regard. It certainly was. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. To, it was amazing to me to sit for a while and say like, well, I, I said it to you a few times. Like, I can't believe I used to do this <laughs> like for, for work on a regular basis. And now this is what I'm reduced to. Like, I can't get, can you try this app? Can you try this link? Mm. All right, let's try it this way, this way, this way. We got it to work eventually. Something to learn from, you know, obviously I will never make this, these errors again is what it comes down to. And you know what that's called? Practice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's really what it is. It's just practice. You, You know, when you practice something, you make mistakes and you learn from them and you move on and you become better at it. So that's really, you know, people are trying to make it more complicated than it is. You get all these gurus who are out there saying, you have to fail, fail hard, fail fast. And it's like, no, that's called practice. You know, it's like a very specific guru you're speaking of. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. I've heard several of them say it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I know who you're thinking of. But I mean, you know, it's, it, it is. It's just practice. It's something we've been taught since we were little kids, you know, playing baseball. You got to go to practice, playing sports or whatever. Um, playing checkers, playing chess, you know, any of those games going to school is practice. You know, you're going to fail stuff. You can't fail and then be like, okay, what, you know, what, what's next? You have to go out and find what's next. You have to say, okay, you have to ask. There's no, you know, there's never a stupid question when it comes to learning stuff. So you have to ask somebody who knows. You learn from the, the experiences that you built the tools necessary, both in your the physical tools in your hands, and then also you acquire the tools mm-hmm. that your hands will use. What starts the process of deciding, I'm going to make this a business for myself? You have to be open to opportunity. So what happened with me was that I just started saying, you know, I just started posting pictures on my social media accounts of some of the pens I was making. And, you know, one day somebody said, hey, can you make me a pen for, you know, so-and-so for their birthday? And I said, sure, I can do that. <laughs> and, and so I bought some, another kit and, and got some wood and made the pen and finished it and sent it off. And they loved it. And then another person said, hey, can you make me five pens for my friends? I'm going to give them out to, as gifts. And I said, sure. It basically came down to word of mouth people just started asking me if they, if I can make them some and I said, all right, well now my time is worth something. So I'm going to start charging for these things. And it kind of built from there. And then at a certain point I was doing so many of them. I said, I should probably make this into an actual business. So I spent all of last year just making them, selling them occasionally. Didn't really do too much, but at the beginning of this year, 2018 is when I actually made the Acadian an official business, you know, went to the town clerk and, and registered and all that kind of stuff. It was a conscious decision to commit myself to making it work. You know, you have to do concrete steps to move yourself forward. You know, that's, that's my thing is that I always say, keep moving forward. I think that was a Walt Disney quote too. He always said, keep moving forward. And that was kind of where I said, I need to make this happen. It's something I enjoy, but more importantly, even in the times when I get frustrated, things break and and I'm behind deadlines and things like that, I'm still enjoying it and I'm still finding satisfaction from it. 
as you and I are speaking, we're speaking on the day that the the first episode of the Adult Nerd is being released for timing purposes of where, where this interview winds up sitting, and it'll be released in about a week from tonight. So where does where's the business stand now, and what's the next step for you? So right now, I am kind of on the cusp of a lot of uh, several different steps that I'm going to be taking. I'm not full time on it right now. Uh, I'm still working a day job, which, you know, a lot of small business entrepreneurs and, and, and owners are. Wait a second here. Yeah. And I, you've, you've said this in this interview, but it doesn't, hasn't really sunk in before. Um, so you're working a full-time job Yep. and you have a, a, a young child yep. and a family mm-hmm. and, and, I bought and, a house. <laughs> and a house. Oh man. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I went through that in the last year as well. Um, you have all of this. And then on top of that, you're, you're doing this. Yeah. It's not just me who's making sacrifices. Um, my family makes sacrifices to help me build this dream as well. You know, both my, my wife contributes by, she even helps me, you know, make some of the stuff, but she, you know, takes the kid for a day and, and I go and make stuff. And then I take the kid for a day and, and she goes and does her thing. So it's not just my sacrifice, but it's definitely dedication. And you'll only find that dedication in something you're you're passionate about. And, and I always talk a lot about passion. Passion is is pain. You know, in, in my case, it's the the drive to alleviate that pain by doing the thing you love so much. I try to do something with the business every night, every day. You know, uh, whether it's updating my website or drilling out a new uh, a template for a, a wallet or something like that, or coming up with ideas for pens or working on getting wholesale uh, or retail positions or, you know, whatever, it, it hurts when I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's where we are now. Yeah. And for a business of where you are, what's that next step forward? What's the, what's that next toe in the water for you? Well, like I said, making those, those custom bespoke made from scratch pens is, is the big step uh, this year, but also um, getting into uh, the, the, the craft shows and not just, you know, the Knights of Columbus hall or, or high school bake sale craft shows. I'm talking like the big spender, uh, craft shows. So that's the next big step is, is kind of getting the name, the Acadian out there. And that's by being in person at these places. There's so much you can do online, but when it comes to bespoke items like this, custom handmade stuff, you really have to make that personal connection. So that's a big one too. And that, that's tough for me as an introvert where I like to live online, but if I want to make this happen, it's going to be getting out there and, and doing stuff in person. Uh, I think those are the two big steps. And and I guess also, like I said, wholesaling, working in bulk for uh, for retail shops and then consignment. I have, I have a person literally down the road from me who's opening a shop was interested in some of my items. You know, working on getting into retail stores in the area, Portland, Maine has this big reputation as a, not only a foodie town, but also kind of like a, like Brooklyn North basically is what they call it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, that kind of rustic look, uh, 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 the, the rustic dry goods. Yeah, but it's really rustic. It's actually rustic. (laughs) It's actually rustic. We have to import it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Apparently a lot of Brooklyn is moving to Portland, by the way, so... (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> and and I try to imbue a story in everything, in all the products I make. And, you know, whether that's the name of the product or 
the historical, you know, a historical piece of wood. I make one called The Order, and it's based on Harry Potter because I literally got five pieces of wood from Christchurch College in England where they filmed the Harry Potter films. So, so I'm literally, actually, I also have five pieces of wood from the, tr- the oak tree in Shawshank Redemption. Where, so, where... so I think this winds up being important yeah. to some listeners right now <laughs> is that are these items that you, is this wood that you have that you are going to make something available or is this things that are available now? A little of both. Um, for instance, I, I do have a one Harry Potter pen made and ready to go. I just haven't put it on the store yet. Um, the Shawshank uh, wood, I'm actually drying it out because it was a live tree and it was very wet. So those are going to be limited edition, highly sought after pens. But some of the stuff is, is going to be made to order as well. So that's definitely just of note for the folks listening that you're going to want to pay attention to the end of the show when Chris tells you how to find this stuff. Yes. <laughs> You've said these, the, the Harry Potter, the, the Shawshank Redemption. Um, what's, some, what's been the, f- the favorite item that you've made so far? My favorite or a customer favorite? Your favorite. I have fallen in love with what's called Burlwood. Uh, B-U-R-L. So Burl's, in case you don't know. If Which you ever see, I do not. <laughs> if you ever go around and you see a tree, if you go, you know, you'll even see them occasionally in the city. Yes, you will. The tree has like, it looks like a giant tumor on the side of it, right? It's got this big growth coming out the side of the tree. That's called a burl. It's, it's basically an abnormal growth due to stress on the tree. The grain pattern, instead of being straight or kind of slightly curved, it just goes all crazy wild, um, spirally and, and, curly and all that kind of stuff. And it gives this um, what's called chatoyance. And chatoyance is kind of this quality of reflection within the grain of the wood, uh, reflection of light within the grain of the wood. So it kind of gives off this sparkly, shimmery uh, look to the wood when you finish it, Um, when you put like a lacquer or a a hard finish on it. Um, Those have been my favorite pens to make. What I also do with some of those is I'll segment them. So I'll basically cut the wood in half, put a piece of metal, a piece of, you know, contrasting wood or, or a colorful resin plastic piece, and then another piece of metal, and then the other end of the wood, glue it all together, and then turn that. And it gives, once you turn it round, it, it kind of gives this angled, uh, circular look to it um, that kind of comes out really cool and everything just gets all sparkly and shiny and and it makes it a really special unique writing instrument it, it's just really cool and those are my favorite ones so if someone wants to take a look if someone wants to to peruse the goods if someone wants to see what's going on with you and with the acadian what where do they go so the the two things that i keep the most up to date are my website which is the Acadian.me, T H E A C A D I A N.me, and my Instagram account, which is the Acadian MCC. Um, those two are where you're going to find all my stuff going on. I, Instagram, I post stories and I post pictures all the time. Um, and then I've seen you do live video of making uh, some stuff. Yep. Occasionally I try to do a live video of, of making a pen or making um, the, uh, you know, the le- I just made a leather wallet the other day. Um, 
that's a lot of fun too. So I love getting the interaction uh, of live video. I've always been a proponent of live video. So, um, and you know that we've done that together. We we did a we did a what was that thirteen hour? Oh God, yeah. Eight years eight years ago, nine years ago. Years, 10, we did a we did a uh, political nine hour long live stream. That was crazy. It was intense. It I would was, say it was very warm as well, from what I recall. It was hot in that studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, it was. When we so, did um we did a talk at a conference together. Oh, that's right. We did. That's where we that's where we both met I I believe where we both met uh the smartest man in the world, Saul Colt. Oh yes. Um, it was yeah. a, f- a future guest on the show. Yeah. Yeah, so we, I was a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. So so we we've we go back quite a bit and we've done a few things together. Yeah. Um you know, we, and we we were both, you know, kind of tech early adopters. So um that's why I love the the Instagram uh, live stuff. I also did YouTube live and, and Facebook live and all that kind of stuff, but I just find the uh, keeping it all in one place on Instagram is, is really nice. So yeah, the Acadian MCC on Instagram is, is where to find me there. Chris, thank you so much for being the second guest on the adult nerd. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you, Rob.